If you're watching this on video, you'll see my black glasses I'm wearing. They're by Genesee, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, an eyewear company out of Flint, Michigan, founded, owned, and operated by my friend, Ali Rose. They employ the structurally unemployable locals and recently incarcerated. They are made from recycled plastic water bottles. They're the first eyewear brand in the U.S. to be completely circular economy. They donate 1% of their net proceeds to Flint Kids Fund, aiding in the long-term health and development of those affected by the Flint water crisis. I really like them. I wear them all the time. They're female-founded. They check a lot of boxes of things that I support, and they offered you guys a discount of, I think, 20%, something like that. So type in tea with SG at www.genesee.com, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, and get yourself a pair. I'm with Carolina Levy from Soite out of Mexico, who's currently, you're not in Mexico, you're in California, right? Yeah, in San Francisco. But I'm holding it down over in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> doing it properly. We switched places. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, but we were just going over what we're drinking right now. And uh, I was like, no, 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 let me hit play because uh, we could do this on, on the show. I'm actually drinking one of yours. Uh, I'll hold it up here. Um, Uyi Shan 2018 Primavera uh, that you sent me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate. Uh, I'm drinking it out of this pretty cup. And then we're both actually using this really cheap, but like actually effective Bonavita. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I don't know if you actually saw it. the review from Mayleaf uh, that he did a really great review between I, the I kettle. Saw, yeah. And the Bonavita, because uh -huh. at first, well, first I had a Bonavita, right? Mm -hmm. But then um, my mother-in-law came in, and do you know what happened? No, no. She put it on the stove. Oh, my then, God. Oh, and then the whole the bottom is plastic. It <laughs> melted. I was so sad. But then oh, wow. uh, it was fine. I, I didn't have a kettle for a while because I was reviewing kettles to see which one I I wanted to get mm -hmm. and the kettle this um because the brand is actually kettle yeah um i saw that it was more expensive but i was like i mean i brew like seven piece every day so i think the investment is worth it so i will just get it what what is it like so, so we're, we're talking about the it's a black uh matte matte uh look it's very cool looking which is the bonavita which is like silver and and very basic looking but um, th this is what, $169, something like yeah, that? Yeah, 169 and yeah, it's okay. uh, based, like their location It's based in San Francisco. And mm -hmm. right now I'm living in San Francisco. So I'm like, yeah, sure, totally, I will get it. And yeah. then all the hipster cafes in San Francisco <laughs> have it. Because like, it looks well, good. Maybe. Yeah, it, it, look, looks, it looks good. great. And the Bona Vida looks like trash, you know, but it yeah. works. I thought the poor was going to be amazing. Uh -huh. And then I got it and I was getting a lot of uh, green teas from Shunan from Tea Drunk. Cool. And I started burning the teas because the water uh, gets out so slowly oh. that by the time you end up filling your cup, it's burned. So it so doesn't work for tea. Is that because the spout is so low or what is that? Why is it no, so slow? Because, uh, because it's supposed to be slow because for the pour over coffees, mm -hmm. you're supposed to brew the coffee really slowly or something uh. because it looks better. I don't really know why it's so slow, right? <laughs> I have no, I've never had coffee before, so I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like coffee, uh, so I wouldn't really be able to tell you, but from what my barista friends tell me, for coffee, it's fine, but not mm -hmm. for tea. Oh, wow. So I came back That's to great the to know. Bonavita. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the reason why I'm is because uh, it has the gooseneck, which I do like. Some people are, I had um, Alina on from uh, Floating Mountain in New York, and she was kind of, we were talking about this, and she was kind of like, it doesn't matter. Once you learn, you learn, and you could use, you know, a big, you could use a bowl and, and make it fine. But I do like the gooseneck. Uh, it provides me flexibility without focus, kind of. Like, I could execute a good pour without, like, I could be on my phone, and I could, I, I don't have to be so present while I'm doing it. So I like the gooseneck. And this one gives me the temperature control, the uh, maintenance of, of one temperature. And uh, it's, it's very small and light. So I can travel with it. Like the other yeah, exactly. one, heavy, the Cuisinart, for example, it's, it's, you know, it's a big thing. It's like, it's a few pounds. This is nothing. This is like, it's very light. So I put it in my suitcase and I bring it everywhere I go and I have a solid kettle, you know, Anywhere, Always. yeah, exactly. And the good thing with the gooseneck, I kind of disagree with uh, what other people say that it doesn't really matter. I think yeah, the I think gooseneck it does. actually gives you the opportunity to pour the water where you exactly need it. Right. Um, so yeah, I think also Shunan and Don from Mayleaf will agree with this. Yeah, there's a great video that Don did. Uh, Don's on an episode from a few weeks ago of my show and he also does his YouTube videos which I've talked about before and there's one where he reviews these kettles and mm -hmm. uh, he does it it's it's very entertaining and thorough it's like it's like a 45 minute video if you believe that yeah <laughs> which is yeah, yeah. Don yeah. turns something that like I would make a 30 second like summary and he makes it a 45 minute video it's, it's wild because he does he goes into all the different um use cases and he'll take different kinds of teas and do a live test of it and he'll give you his play-by-play -play and then he'll do a summary of it and it's very thorough and 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 helpful i mean it's really like there's nothing else I, in the tea world i don't think there's anything like what he does the thoroughness of it yeah I think it's and he's so charismatic i think Shunan should start one because um, I think we would definitely have really great information coming out from her side. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, I think only Don, I agree with you. Yeah, Shunan does great tutorials and webinars and talks, but they're generally one-offs. They're like a really cool, it's, it's like for her people. Like she doesn't, she doesn't put them up on the internet for uh, yeah. like a YouTube channel. She, they're like, you know, either you sign for up for them people. or you pay for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're great. Shannon is so articulate and informative and, and thorough. It's like an encyclopedia. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How much she knows. Really, really is. Yeah. We had a great episode, whatever that is, you know, a month ago. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny how the tea world internationally, people know each other because there's not, it's a very small ecosystem, you know, so of people small. who care about these things. Yeah, especially with <laughs> teas that are not Japanese, because I feel that the Japanese tea world is a little bit bigger in mm -hmm. a way. Um, but for Chinese and Taiwanese teas, there are so few vendors. Mm -hmm. But I think we all know each other, or if we don't know each other, we at least know about each other. What makes you say that Japanese is, is so much bigger? Or what makes you think that that is? Well, let's just think about New York City, right? If mm -hmm. we think about the specialized Chinese tea brand, it's only Shunan. Then for Taiwanese, we only have Tech Company, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I really love their uh, pineapple cookies. Have you tried them? Oh, I, I, live, I live on... Thin, thin, thin. Yeah. 
yeah yeah so you know what i'm talking about i'm so sad you cannot get them down there <laughs> yeah uh, but anyway and then uh if you think about uh japanese options then you have kettle uh which their design Zach, is yeah. really yeah kettle and then you have ipodoen and setsugeka or how do you pronounce that yeah that's how i pronounce it yeah mm. yeah so I think you, you start there's more. more. I mean, there's 29 BT house in New York. There's which does both, which does mostly Chinese and Korean teas and some Taiwanese, but uh, yeah. they have Japanese as well. They do kind of everything. Um, there's there's a few more Chinese places. There's a place in Williamsburg called Pu'er uh, that is that is pretty. Solid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pu'er, yeah. Um, I like it in Brooklyn. There's there's floating mountain. Uh, on the Upper West Side, there's T comp uh, like just just the letter T uh, on Elizabeth. Uh, they have really great Korean teas. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. What else? Um, there, there's, there's more. There's, there's. I would say there's only. I think you you got the three Japanese places. I don't think that there's anything. Else. It's like faux. It's not. It's not full on. Mm -hmm. Like going to carry something but they're not really legit um like you, even if you go to um what's it called uh well okay so so nakazawa sushi restaurant has mm. great teas they source teas zach does about half their men uh, uh -huh. they have a lot of their own sorry um they have a lot of their own that they source so that but but if you go there you know you spend 250 dollars um, it's not a regular thing. Um, and then there's a lot of Japanese tea, but it's trash. You know, it's just like sencha. Yeah. And it's just... Really well, bad Japanese teas. Yeah, it's Yeah, not I think actually it would be an interesting debate uh, whether the Chinese tea industry or the Taiwanese or Japanese tea industries are more developed. Which one is it? Because for my point of view, I feel that the Japanese tea industry is a little bit more developed in the West. But mm -hmm. maybe it's just my perspective and it could be wrong. I don't I think know. It I could mean, be a really very interesting difficult. Debate. Have you gone to Japan? Uh, no, just through the airport, just to go to China. So it's very, if you get like, there is not one place, including Ipoto and Kettle. Mm -hmm. uh, like Zach won't make... Zach doesn't the only time that there's proper Gyokuro service done is like mm -hmm. a special event which is five people and I've mm -hmm. been and he's, he's done it twice ever like so the United States doesn't know what like when you go to Japan and you go to a proper tea house and you get Gyokuro it's it, it, it's in a shibori dashi it's a flat you know a hohan or a shibori dashi and it's a little bit of leaves and you're at 140 degrees so, uh, uh, Fahrenheit, very cool water. And you do just a little bit of water, just a little brim of it. And you take a sip, like a tiny sip mm. drops. Mm. And that service is just not, it does not exist in the United States. I, I have never found one place in the United States that does that. There's a lot of people who are aware of it, you know, real tea heads, but there's this divide. I would say the difference between um, Japanese and Chinese and Taiwanese, like there's this huge, pe people know about matcha and, and the, the quote tea ceremony, but mm -hmm. there's this gigantic divide in like actual understanding. So like in America, they know what 
Gyokoro is, but they have no idea how to drink Gyokoro. If you go to Ipoto, they will make you Gyokoro at 176 degrees Fahrenheit. They'll make you a cup of Gyokoro, like, like, like mm-hmm. the size of the one I'm drinking right now with this full cup of oolong. And, it's, and they burn the hell out of it. And it's, it's disgusting. Like knowing what it's supposed to taste like versus what they... So if you go to Ipoto in Kyoto, they make it proper. Mm-hmm. They give you four cups and you, they, they teach you how to do it if you don't know, but they just bring you all the stuff. Um, and they just don't do that in the US. So I go, I go 39th Street all the time. I, I, I used to live on 36th Street, so I would go to the 39th Street Ipoto all the time. And, I, and Zach is a good friend. I go to Zach's place all the time. Zach's business is more direct to consumer and wholesale for restaurants. He does not offer right. Gyokoro service. So the, the, the lack of understanding around Japanese tea is, is a lot bigger, in my opinion, than it is around Chinese and, and Taiwanese and, and Korean and whatnot. Like, we're generally aware of the Yixing and, and you know, Gong Fu tea service for, for China and, and, like, how to drink an oolong. People are generally aware of that and how to drink a pu'er and how to drink, you know, Chinese greens even. But uh, Chinese greens are, green tea is just, they, basically, people don't realize that how delicate green tea is. But with all Japanese tea, no one in America knows how to make Japanese tea. Like, they all burn it, no matter what. Even when I've been, I was in Los Angeles, uh, you know, a few years ago, and there was a lot of private tea, uh, mm-hmm. like, clubs, you know? There aren't good tea houses in Los Angeles. We make up for it instead with, like, private private uh private yeah like private either events. right someone ho- exactly someone hosts or there's like emen on the on the uh on the east side who has her tea room which is taiwanese oolongs and it's awesome but i remember going to like a private tea club in la and like the big thing was like oh we got some really legit gyokoro from japan and i was super excited because mm-hmm. like one of these guys was you know studying how to do it and stuff and i will never forget he made it at 150 degrees fahrenheit and he made a bowl of it and he did it wrong <laughs> and i i didn't and then know you were disappointed you're no, like oh was, no it was great but so i went so this was there's three levels of it there's the regular level where they'll make it like sencha and they just make a pot of it you know like it's a bunch of leaves and it's it's just regular and they burn it and it's at 176 and you get none of the you ruin the gyokoro by doing that but that's the way that i first experienced it then the second way that i experienced it was was this time where the this guy was supposedly studying it and he supposedly sourced some really good stuff and he made it for us and i was like you know it was better than what i'd had before but if you know your stuff 150 degree gyokoro with a bunch of water destroys it it it, oh are they seriously oh my god what's happening they're mowing the lawn next door right now at 2 28 p.m you hear this right yes that sounds a terrible time to do this yeah, yeah, why not in the, I don't know, around the hottest time? It just seven. started getting really hot. <laughs> Maybe they want to go to like move, to a sauna uh, or something. Like where I, let me just move inside. Um, you know what? Let me hit pause for two seconds. I'm just going to hit pause okay. on the recording. Don't hang up. I'm just going to hit pause on the recording. So sorry about interruptions. Uh, the guy mowing the lawn at, at 2.41 p.m. in the day yeah it's such a weird time to mow the lawn I think like people mow the lawn when it's uh 
when it's cool out. I don't know. Maybe he wanted an intense workout. Yeah, maybe. It's like, it's super, where I am, I'm right on the ocean and uh, the sun comes over the hill from behind us. So we don't see the sun rise. The sun rises in a sort of just like aura and then the sun sets right in front of us. And it gets, so starting in the next, you know, it starts getting hot at like two, um, but it gets like- But it's like there, 35 degrees, right? 35 degrees Celsius. I don't know what Celsius, it's 90 Where degrees. Uh, what is that in Celsius? Yeah, so like 32. Um, yeah, it's 90 You've been right in now. Mexico long enough. So you can think. <laughs> but I don't talk to speech. anyone. That's what. To, 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 uh, to, 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 uh-huh. You can oh practice yeah, I can practice kettle. my temperature with the kettle. Right, right. No, I, yeah. I know that roughly. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good point. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's funny that I've been in Mexico this whole time, but I'm like kind of in, I'm, I, it's kind of like I'm in a magic nothing space, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm just by myself in this big house on the ocean. I don't talk. There was a, there was a time for about a month maybe where I was like socializing, but uh, that was because a lot of us had been here for a while and no new people yeah. had shown up. But now there's tons of new people coming every day coming and yeah. no one cares. People are shaking hands with strangers. People are Yeah, it's so crazy. I because for a, while, for a while, Jalisco, uh, that it's the state where you are right now, mm-hmm. was doing really well. Yeah. Uh, but now coronavirus cases are just spiking like... Really? Oh, God. Yeah. That's what I've been I mean, you're still quite isolated, but yeah. Yeah, people are coming in and out of Guadalajara and Manzanillo and Puerto Vallarta daily. And they, you know, they want it. They're like, hey, want to have dinner? And, and like, I'm just getting back now. And it's like, wait, you're coming no. from a place that has tons of. Like, uh, no, I don't want to. What, what's San Francisco been like for you? Uh, well, San Francisco actually is pretty well or pretty good in that mm. way. Um, but the problem is that San Francisco is not California, right? The so rest of the states. The not rest doing of so California well. is just a mess. And today, actually, uh, the recall Gavin protest started because I think the governor. Wait, what? Here in Ca- yeah. What do you, he? Oh, because he's shutting it down again. Yes, because and I they think don't want to shut down. Yeah, exactly. He has done a really good job of containing or trying to contain the virus, mm-hmm. but people are still doing their coronavirus parties and crazy things like this. Uh, so they're just very upset that he's uh, shutting everything down again. And I think, yeah, he was doing or he's trying to do a good job or to be a. Responsible I want him to shut everything down. I, I, but yeah. on the break, we were just on. You know, took a break for ten minutes for this guy to mow the lawn. And they shut down the Telluride Film Festival just now. It just got announced. I was reading the press release. Um, good. You know, like yeah. they wanted to do it live. They're going to make a selection just to highlight, you know, the, their favorite films of the year to shine some light on them. Good, good publicity, but they're not going to do a physical festival. And, and yeah, like I was thinking about today is uh, today's July 14th the day when Europe is announcing its adjustments or lack thereof on the travel ban. And they, of course, said, no, we're not opening it up because the U.S. is is messing up big time. And yeah, so Venice Film Festival will happen. But 
that's the reward for these people spending a lot of time and getting, you know, becoming a safer place. The United States never yeah. actually took it seriously and we never slowed down. So never. we're continuing to be, you know, it's the punish, like we're, we're asking for reward, but we never did anything. We never stopped. We never shut down. So I have a question. Are you going to stay in uh, Mexico for a while or are you leaving or what's the plan? So uh, I'm not going to Europe. My original plan was to leave at the end of this month and go to Europe, but that's yeah, not, because I'm I not read be that, but I was like, how, how is he going to do that? Because the border is closed. Yes. Yeah, maybe so, uh, on a that's boat. not going to happen. Uh, no, it's just, not, I'm not. I, so what I, I thought that maybe they would open it up because the U S everything would improve. So this is, you know, we're talking like a month ago, I didn't right. a month ago, we thought things were getting better and right. things just started getting so much worse or, or let, let me be clear. Like, Things did not ever get better. It just got revealed right. how they never got better. So we thought for a while, what was really happening was people were just easing into comfort with it. So the articles were getting less- um, Serious yeah, or less exactly. accurate. Yeah, yeah it, it was, it was, there was, there were, there was no, there were no trends that were, um, oh my God, this is getting so much worse. Na th then it got revealed, wait a second, we didn't flatten the curve. Uh, it just moved. And, you know, no one's actually like, anyway, now we all know what's going on. But um, so I'm talking, I had this, you know, optimism about getting to Venice, Italy a month ago, you know, up, up right. until a few weeks ago. For the last two weeks, I've been pretty resigned to that not happening. And uh, today was pretty much made official. Um, it's possible that they open up on August 1st and I get on a flight, but I don't, I, j I think I'm just like, that's not happening. So it's, it's fine. But, uh, so my plan now is one of two things. Uh, it's either stay here. Um, and I can, there's no reason not to. Um, and the alternative is to go back. So my next thing in my life is hopefully shooting a film that is actually built for this time. It's like just in uh -huh. a hotel and uh, it's very, it's a very small set, small crew. It's contained. It was like, I've built the breakdown for it to be abiding by all the, basically long story short, like I'm super, I, I'm super conservative with all of this. Like I don't socialize, right. but I'm ready to do this film because of the amount of prep that we have. And the, and the film would be measures. made in Paris. In New York. No, no, no. I'd make in it in New York. New York. So that's yeah. why. So I'll go back to New York if this is looking like it's going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. So now it, it would, this is just as of today because yeah, you know, because there are still some flights uh, between the U.S. and Mexico, so I think you could still... Well, I can definitely get back to New York. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of if I want to. And yeah, so that what I'm thinking now is I'm looking into places that are right outside, uh, you know, the city. I'm looking at like Rockaway Beach so that I could be, you know, have space, be outside like the main city, but... Um, be on the subway you know so have access to yeah where i would be shooting and stuff like that but not be like in my apartment which is in the middle of everything i don't want to live yeah. there uh, so then yeah, so for now we should not send you more tea oh d not yet not yet not yet <laughs> thank you so much because and I still uh, we, have. yeah we just got a uh, really good teas from uh 2020 spring okay that are white teas so oh, beautiful yeah
Fre fresh white tea. That's Maybe great. Maybe you can see them. I this see. This is yeah. a Baimudan from Fujian province. Cool. Um, yeah. So tell me, tell me about this. Tell me about this tea. For you know, assume assume I know nothing about it because people listening don't know. Uh, okay, so basically there are uh, two places in Fujian province that are most well known for their white teas. And one of them is Fudian. And let's say that 95% of white tea in Fujian province comes from Fudian. Um, and recently, uh, or sadly, in the recent years, because white tea has become more popular, uh, it's become more industrialized. So it's getting harder and harder and harder to find a good quality tea out of Fudian. Um, but we have Chenghe. And Chenghe uh, is less well known, uh, although during the Qing dynasty, it had a lot of factories that produced really interesting uh, teas after the Qing dynasty. Uh, same as with the rest of China, the production of tea kind of uh, got lost uh, somewhere and many factories shut down. Uh, however, there is this guy who's Yang Feng, who's the um, let's say tea master of Chenghe and he has made it his mission in life to recuperate Chenghe's fame of producing really great teas. So wow. um, since 2012 they've been winning several awards uh, from making really great white teas and some red teas. That red tea in the west we consider them to be black teas. Right. Um, but they specialize in white teas and red teas. And the tea that I have right now here is a white peony or Baimudan, which was harvested before their um, Day of the Death Festival, because you know how Mexicans, we think that only in Mexico we have the Day of the Death Festival <laughs> in November. Oh, I yeah, I mean, I know the festival. I don't know how Mexicans think that they're the only ones, but... Yeah, you can ask any Mexican. You can just go outside and ask them, like, hey, uh, is Mexico the only oh, country that has... And every Mexican will tell you. I even thought that before oh, I knew wow. this about okay, China. Okay, so what's the Chinese version? I don't... I actually don't know. It's called Qingming. I'm like one of those Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it happens during the first week of April. Okay. Uh, but they basically shut down the whole country so they can have this uh, four-day festival. Um, so it's a really big deal. And the relevance with tea is that all the white teas that are harvested between the insect awakening to the day of the death are the most valuable spring teas oh, for so white cool. teas. Okay. Yes. Man, I got to try it. I wonder if I've ever had it. And there's like a lot of tea that, you know, my tea education is, is really funny because I mean, like anyone, I guess there's a lot that as I learn more and more, because you learn incrementally, it's not like I sat down and, you know, took a course and all of a sudden I knew right. everything and I'm in the world. Like I learned one, you know, I'm learning about this one right now. I learn a different thing every day, but through that retroactively, like I know that I've drank like exceptional tea for a long time. So I'm always kind of wondering like what I've forgotten and what I've, what, what teas I've had 
and been exposed to that are, you know, really special. Like last year I learned about Tong Mu and I just never really knew about Tong Mu. And mm -hmm. when I started mm -hmm. drinking those specifically, I recognized some of the tasting notes and, and like, I can't really figure out why I recognized them. Like I can't go backwards and think who gave me Tong Mu and did they tell me how special it was when I first had it? Cause I knew I had had it before when I tasted it, but I didn't right. know the story, the history, the significance of it. So, yeah. What so kind wonder. of tea was it? Do you know? I read tea from Tongmu or? Well, I got a bunch from, I got, I got maybe four or five from Dawn at Mayleaf. And then I, and then I mm -hmm. sourced a few more uh, separately. I know I had the Lapsangs. I, um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think what the other ones, there were probably two different Lapsangs in there. Um, the uh, Jinjun Mei. So yeah, basically. Yes, Jinjun Mei. Jinjun Mei. Yeah. Yeah. Which exactly. is like one of the most famous ones there. Of course, the lap songs. Right. Yes. So I know I got a couple Jinjun Mei's and a couple lap songs. And then there was like one other varietal. So uh, something very interesting that uh, they are doing in uh, Chenghe is that they are developing new varietals. Um, and one exciting. of the varietals that they are growing now in Chenghe is actually from Tongmu, which is a major. Cool. And now they are making really great uh, white teas and red teas out of Chenghe with the varietal from Tongmu. So I think the experimentation that is happening right now in China uh, is quite interesting, especially because um, they are doing it with a scientific basis and with more knowledge, not just like, oh, let's plant this tea tree here. Of course that is happening as well, but more in the industrialized way. But the same that is happening in the more industrialized way, it's also happening in the very artisanal way. So, so talk to me about that a little more because I, you probably have a much, bigger, much broader understanding of this process than I do. Uh, you know, are, they, are they cutting? Are they cloning? Are, you know, are they genetically uh, manipulating the tea? How, how does one go about bringing the Tongmu varietal to Chengho? Well, for, for them, they just transplanted some of the uh, seedlings okay. in, in Chenghe. And because the region or the area is not super far away, because Chenghe is a, a one hour and a half ride away from Guishan. This is the, the eastern part of China, sort of along the coast? or eastern, where? Yeah, east, well, it's not along the coast. Uh, but Guishan is one of the most famous towns in tea world. And Tongmu Wan, it's actually a part of Guishan Got for it. that uh, Guishan area. Uh, so Chenghe is kind of close to that part. Uh, and the environment is not that different. So I don't really know whether this same varietal would grow somewhere else. Um, but it works from... Uh, Tongmu to Chenghe. Also, another one that they are developing or that they took from Guishan area and uh, planted it into Chenghe is the Shuixian. I'm sure you've had Shuixian mm -hmm. before. Yeah, yes. yeah. And they're also making it into white tea. Cool. So how, how, yeah. what's that process like, turning it into white tea? Well, instead of making it into a oolong tea, uh, because usually Shuixian, what happens is that uh, it's harvested during late April and May, because you need to wait for the leaf to open, right? Because you mm -hmm. don't want bots in an oolong, basically, unless it's an oriental beauty. But generally, for oolongs, you don't really want bots. You only want open leaves. 
So uh, for the Shueyxian, it's usually um, the harvest in late April and May. And for white teas, as I was telling you before, the most valuable ones are the ones that are harvested before their day of the death, that is called the Qingming Festival. Qingming? Qingming, yes. Okay. Cool, mm -hmm. okay. So uh, oh. the process is completely different because uh, for YT, you don't really do the process that is necessary in the Wulong making process. That is the shaqing or kill green process in the can, YT. Can you, yeah, what is the process? Like, can, can you talk about it a little bit? Because I, I, I love exposing people to the understanding of how much nuance there is and personality built into each tea that they drink. Yes, that it, you so, know. so much personality. Right. Um, so uh, for Chenghe's teas, uh, the whole process is very artisanal. They don't use machinery at all. So basically um, they harvest the leaves and then they let them rest. If they're gonna uh, make white tea, they need to make sure that it is not raining because a rainy day can impact negatively into the tea making process because you basically need sun so the tea leaves wilt in a proper way so if it's a rainy day it's not gonna be a very good tea making day uh, so first they harvest the tea leaves and then um, they let them wilt for 72 hours in bamboo trays part of this wilting is uh, done uh, directly under the sun and part of it is done uh, in a shaded area. If you ever have the opportunity to travel there I think you're gonna have a really nice experience because they also have like rooms that you can stay in and you can help with the process oh, that's and cool. they're really nice and they will give you food and everything it's like <laughs> an amazing experience. Oh, I would love to do uh, that. Yeah. yeah so anyways after those 72 hours they do a very carefully sorting process or very careful sorting process yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah to select whether they want to do um, silver needles which is a by how in gen um, that is like only bots which is one of the most traditional uh, white teas or if they're gonna do uh, by mudan which is a white peony which is uh, one bot and two leaves. Okay. Or if they're gonna do the king peony. The king peony is a specialty from Chenghe, which is not uh, very well known elsewhere. But for Chenghe, it's uh, one bud and a leaf. So these three cuts of the uh, leaf are the most significant uh, teas that you will get before the Qin Ming. The Bai Mudan, that is the white peony. The king peony, that is uh, one leaf and one bud. And only buds, which is the Bai Hao in Chen or silver needles. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And Love after it. that, because you want to make sure that the quality stays that way, they uh, steal it. They have these uh, bamboo ovens um, that are very, very similar to the ones that you see in Guishan or in the Phoenix mountains. Okay. Um, but they, they don't say that they bake it. It's just like a thing to seal the tea. 
so it stays that like way. fix it is that yeah fix it fix okay yeah, fix it yes yeah mm-hmm. and yes. with the oolongs it's a different process and and there there's a there's a roasting step with the in that area yes. right yes the oolong is so different and Chenghe doesn't make oolong Chenghe right. only makes white tea and black tea sorry red tea right yes. right uh yeah the oolong making process is completely different um and also it depends what kind of oolong you want to make sure because yeah, oolongs have, the, have like the widest the broadest spectrum there could be really similar to green and there could be really similar to black and a lot in yeah, between. yeah exactly yes uh we actually sent you a baojong which in taiwan they say that it's not really an oolong anywhere else in the world they will tell you that baojong is a green oolong mm-hmm. but in taiwan they will tell you that it is not that it is its own category and i kind of oh. agree because it doesn't taste like an oolong at all. I don't know if yeah. you've tried it. Oh yeah, uh, I love bajong. It's it's this yeah. it's very delicate, soft. There's a sweetness to it. It's sort of like you know if you think about uh, the umami, it's it's the umami. Yeah, the umami. The kind yeah. of oolong. You know, it's yeah. very delicate. You you um, it's the lowest um oxid oxidized oolong yeah and yeah, yeah, exactly. you have to keep it so like if you like we were talking about with the japanese teas and the lack of understanding for those it's similar for a baojong it's really across the spectrum all of green tea that people just don't understand that like you can you can burn them and it gets yeah, you really can burn them so easily yeah. and it's so sad right yeah because people just don't I, know so you yeah, taste yeah, green tea yeah. and all of a sudden it, it feels all floral and bitter and it's like impo- it's, it's it's like aggressive, you know, and it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. And I get all these uh, complaints sometime, uh, oh, yeah. sometimes from customers like, oh, this tea is so bitter. I'm like, well, how did you brew it? Right. Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, I let it steep for, I don't know, three minutes. Like, why? No, please <laughs> don't do that. I'm, I'm so I'm perennially surprised by who by the by the level of misunderstanding and 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 misinformation out there on green tea i i got like shincha from japan and on the package had you know three like like directions like i got i got probably three different shipments of shincha and one has been like lost like we were talking about this like i still haven't gotten some shincha that's been in the mail for i don't know how long um I've I've had like all these lost. I got yours thankfully, but I have two other packages that are just like impossible. But um yeah, exactly. Uh but on one of my Shincha packages, they give you directions and and they were saying like 3 minutes steep at 176 and I was like, "What? No. Like no, who does that? No way." Like you know, I just I, I'm in and out. I just like, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'm yeah, usually yeah. like until I've drank it a lot. I'll do it at 158. Super cool. And I, I only go up to 176 later. Like once it starts to lose it, like once I'm sort of like halfway through the bag and I've had 20 of them already. And like, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's felt a lot of air because green tea uh-huh. oxidizes once you start, once you open this, you know, once you have it, uh, it starts to oxidize and change. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as aged green tea and whoever tries to sell aged you aged green tea, green tea is just like, please don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Aged green tea is like aged bananas. You know? yeah. <laughs> like you can have them to make banana bread, yeah. but 
you cannot really eat them. Yeah, it's not like so. I have uh, what's fun about green tea uh, later. So I like last year. This year I wasn't able to get much, but last year I went. I was in Japan, and I have I still have shincha from last year. But what I do is over the course of the year I drink it in different ways. So I start mm-hmm. with really low, you know, low heat, low amount of water. You know, I, I just like. I do it, you know, quick steeps, and then I slowly, like, I... Yeah, because tea transforms, and yeah, yeah it so evolves. So I'll go up to, to I'll start burning yeah. it later, like three months later, you know, I'll start burning it and see what that tastes like, and, and I know it so well, so at that point, I'm not, like, offended by that burning. I've already yeah. kind of done it, and then what I start to do is I'll, I'll cold brew it for a while, and then I start roasting it. So I use a hand, a hand uh, clay, you know, ceramic roaster, and you wake it up. And yeah. it's, you know, it's hojicha, but it's like way better than the hojicha that, uh, that, that you, that you can find anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like you could buy hojicha, but it's like, so, so a great, I always t- tell me if you agree with this, but a comparison for hojicha and bancha, um, is hand rolls sometimes like with sushi where, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting like the ugly parts of the really quality stuff. So you're getting like, it's the same fish, but it's like the uglier parts of the fish. So sometimes you can get really high quality stuff with a hojicha. Um, and that, that's what I've started doing is like taking high quality teas that are old and, and making them into hojicha. hojicha. Yeah. 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 That and sounds really cool. if I do it fresh, it tastes incredible. And I usually do that at like 190. I do it a little hotter. So I burn it just enough to, I roast it just enough to get brown and then I let it sit and then I take it off. Then I let it all kind of even out. And, um, and then I do it at about 190, which is, you know, about 15 degrees hotter than what I would do as, you know, the regular sencha. And it's, it's incredible. And I get three or four, sometimes more really Bruce. good sleeps out of it. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. it's really flavor forward. Yeah. Because that's another thing, like really good teas. Um, should give you at least at least four brews. Yeah, like people who tell you just one or two on those Japanese teas, like that's trash, you know? Like you yeah. can do better, you can get more. You have to just know how to do it. But if you're doing three minute steeps every time on a green yeah, tea- Yeah, you're gonna ruin the tea. You're not even gonna get one good one. I, yeah. I, I, I've never, I can't remember the last time I put green tea in a, in a, in a pot for three minutes. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I Unless mean, it's like here. grandpa style and it's like a little bit of leaf, just like, just, you know, at the bottom of your cup yeah, and you just yeah, leave it yeah. in there. But, or maybe you're doing, I don't know, cashmere chai or something. The one that it's like green tea that turns into pink. Oh when yeah. The, uh, bicarbonate. Is that a word in English? I, I know what you're, I don't know what the word is, but I know the process you're talking about. I've done it a couple of times. Like I got purple tea and you put like a drop of lemon in, in it and then it turns. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't it's have a completely different thing. Like I don't mm. think it necessarily as tea. As yeah. I think it as something else, which is right. fine. Uh, you can have like tea as an ingredient, uh-huh. uh, but just know what you want to get out of tea. Right. And not just say that it's like the most amazing tea. Right. They're like, oh, it's something else. Yeah, this is something that I talk about a lot with like the divide between understanding what tea is specifically and just like hot water with flavor. You know, there's yeah. other things like herbs and, and blends and stuff like that, but um, it's not just straight tea. And, and I always tell people like I'm, I personally 
99% of the, like I very rarely drink herbals personally. A lot of people drink amazing herbals. You, you offer a bunch of very cool herbals. Uh, something actually, you know, this is cool. I would love to get into this of like, maybe, first of all, I want to hear like your whole tea story, but the angle that I'm really interested in is where your knowledge of like indigenous Mexican cult, not, not even tea culture, but like culinary and, and beverage culture comes into tea with you and, and where blends and herbs come into that. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so Mexico is not a very, uh, tea oriented country in the way that, uh, we call tea to everything. Same as in the rest of Latin America and in the U S it has its pockets, right? Because the U S is more diverse in that way. Like the U S has a large Asian population. Right. Uh, and Mexico doesn't have a lot of diversity in that way. Um, so we call tea to everything that we pour into like herbs and water. Like I grew up. Most drinking- U.S. Americans do that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I always correct them. They'll be like, want some tea? And, and they'll give me chamomile or something like that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll, get, I'll have flowers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, do you want some flowers in water? You know? <laughs> Yes, thank you. Um, so I grew up drinking tea in my house, but not tea, right? Like uh, my mom always gave me um, chamomile and gordolobo because we have a lot of remedies in Mexico that are like good for anything, right? If your tummy hurts, then you'll drink chamomile. If your uh, throat hurts, you will drink chamomile. You will drink chamomile basically for everything. But also um, we have the same as uh, Shenong wrote the Materia Medica or the, uh, how, what is the name in English? But Shenong, like the father of agriculture in China, but it's a fictitious uh, person because he was like something else. Uh, he wrote the first uh, book of all the remedies and herbs that are supposed to cure you. We have the same thing in Mexico because we have a very large indigenous population that before the Spaniards conquered us, uh, knew really well how to handle a lot of, a lot of the herbs. Uh, so when the Spaniards came, uh, they were kind of interested in that. So I think the first book of remedies and herbs uh, is dated from the 1500s, which is really cool. Amazing. Yeah, uh, but a lot of those are getting lost. And also I think it happened the same thing as with rooibos that nobody has uh, developed a real industry behind, behind an endemic Mexican herb. Because with rooibos before 1968, before Anique Theron, the woman behind the rooibos uh, existed, rooibos was just an herb, right? That people knew that it had a lot of benefits and that it had like a lot of amazing uh, flavors and things to uh, try it as. Uh, but it was not a thing. And I think in Mexico, we have not had an anicteron uh, that is responsible for developing. Wait, could you spell, I'm, I'm writing, I want to write this note down. What, what, what's, how do you spell her name? Anik, uh, A-N-N-I-Q-U-E, Anik. And then her last name is T as in Teresa, H-E as in elephant, R-O-N. Got it. 
So do you want to cool. hear the story about Yes, me? please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really I like to take actually. notes during during these talks so that like things for me to look up later and stuff like that. So yeah, so please tell a, me all of this. She has a really cool book. Okay, so uh, Anik Theron uh, was a woman during the 90s, 1960s and she had four children and her little girl um, couldn't stop uh, crying and she cried and cried and cried and cried and she basically tried everything for her daughter to stop crying and no thing seemed to work, right? So the woman who worked at her house was like, hey, Anik, uh, probably I don't want to be too forward to you, but I'm not sure whether you are willing to give her these rooibos uh, tea or rooibos uh, herb yeah. to your daughter and it might help her so she can stop crying. And then Anik was like, well, what the hell, right? Like I've tried everything and no, nothing seems to work. So sure, I will try this on my daughter. So she basically gave her rooibos um, because she suffered from uh, many cramps, like baby cramps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it helped. So Anik was like, well, more women need to know about this because if it helped my baby, I'm sure it's going to help more babies. So basically she made it her mission in life uh, to make rooibos more accessible and to develop a whole industry behind rooibos. So she became quite a celebrity in South Africa. Um, and if you look her up, she's one of the most influential women of South Africa from um, last decade, because right now I think she's 97 or something. Uh, but yeah, in 1997 is where she picked and she built a really big company behind rooibos. So I don't think we've had that in Mexico yet. We, don't, we haven't had our Anik Theron because of course you need someone behind an herb or behind something to develop the whole industry. Because for example, for Argentina, you have a very interesting herb too, that is uh, the mate, right? Mate, yeah. yeah. And then for Ecuador, you have the guayusa. And then you can pinpoint different herbs to different countries. Um, but I couldn't really pinpoint an herb to Mexico. We have really interesting cuisine. You have avocados and tomatoes, though. <laughs> yeah, we have avocados and tomatoes. That's true. But would you drink an avocado? No. Well, <laughs> it's smoothie. just different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in Jalisco, which does like something 11% of the avocados in the world or something like that. Some crazy number. Yeah, which is also bringing a lot of harm to the soil. But that's a completely different topic. Yeah, probably yeah. my neighbor's because they're the ones who do the avocados here. I'm in Correas where all the, like, this is like the, the Hamptons for Guadalajara. So like all the rich Guadalajara people are, are, are hanging out here with me. Uh, CEO of Telcel, like direct TV guy is here. Uh, like all these like, you know, and then there's agriculture friends who are here. And one of them is like major avocado guy. And uh, so, yeah, so mm-hmm. he's probably, <laughs> you probably like know who he is and think he's a bastard or something. <laughs> I don't know, but they come over for, they come over sometimes. I, I don't really know the politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so what, what is the Mexican, like, are there others, do you have friends who have similar businesses to yours in Mexico? Uh, well, so. Or competitors. I don't know. <laughs> I feel that. Mexico is big in aguas frescas, right? If you were in East LA or if you've ever been in East LA, uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of aguas frescas everywhere. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that's our thing in a way that we make agua fresca of everything because we have so many fruits, so many fruits. Uh, so the thing that Mexico started doing a few years back is that we started making fruit tisans, uh, which are very easy to sell to people because uh, people are, well, people in Mexico are very used to drinking uh, sweet um, aguas frescas, like horchata, jamaica, uh, you name it. I was so, having jamaica juice right before we talked, yeah. Yeah. Or ag ag agua jamaica. Yeah, agua de jamaica, right. Uh, so the transition between the, uh, how would you call them? Fruit juices? Because oh, they're sure. not necessarily uh, juice, right? Yeah, they're yeah. like, no, here we call them waters, there we call them juice. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. In, in, in America, in the United States, I mean, it's always, I always catch myself because like I'm in America right now. But like just, you know, there's Central, South and North America in the United States. But you know that Mexico is still North, right? North America. But, but it's not United States. I always, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. I, I, I like to differentiate because I'll just say like, oh, stupid Americans, you know. But technically, the people I'm referring to are not like here. They're uh, in New York and California and stuff. But right. uh, yeah, it, w there we order, I'd probably say Jamaica juice. But here I would say Jamaica Agua de Jamaica. Juice. Agua de Jamaica. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. We all, we just call all these things juices. Juices. Yeah. The yeah but here I know to call the, them agua. Yeah. Uh-huh. Between all these uh, fruit juices. Yeah. Like uh, we, yeah, the, exactly. We say lemon juice. Lemon juice. Uh, and, and if, uh, if I order, you know, Agua de Limon, I would say lemon juice in New York. No, but it's a limeade, no? I know. I'm just saying that's what I would... That's what I would, uh, or lime juice, lemon juice or lime juice is what I would say. Lemon juice. Yeah. Yeah. So but here anyway, I say agua de limon or agua, agua de, de limon, limon uh, amarillo. Uh -huh, agua de limon. Yeah. Um, so when we first started, I had no idea about tea. Mm -hmm. And actually I started with a coffee business first oh. because we are a big coffee drinking country. Um, so I started roasting coffee, uh, but I was not really interested in coffee. It's just that my family was uh, involved with coffee. So I started doing that. Uh, and then I slowly migrated into fruit tisans, uh, which are like the same, the juice, um, dried fruit that you put into water and then you make it into some kind of, what did you call it? Water with flavor. Uh, oh, 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 just, yeah, sure. Like, like flavored water, whatever, water, hot stuff, you know, like, uh, I, yeah, I mean, you could call them herbals, tisans, whatever, but really what it means is just like hot water with stuff in it, you know? Hot water with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which in a way it's a very big thing in, and it actually is like 99% of our business. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, wow. but with time, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very big, but with time actually, um, I had the opportunity to travel to Asia and to discover tea from the source and that changed my perspective. And I was like, this is what I really want to do. Like cool. I want to learn about tea. And although the fruit tisans are a great uh, gateway from people to transition from Coke or from soda into something healthier, it's still not the healthiest thing in the world, right? Because it's still like dried fruit that, 
usually although it doesn't have like added sugar it still has a lot of sugar because it's like yeah. dried fruit and yeah. you don't want to be drinking like i don't know four or five of these uh, glasses a day but with tea you can just keep drinking it like the whole day uh, but i think it's a good way for people to transition between soda and then go to the fruit tea sands and then maybe some herbals like some rooibos or some right. uh chamomile or whatever and then just uh, transition into tea this will not be the same for everyone because some people will just stay with the fruit tea sands and it's what they will what will make them happy uh, but actually when the quarantine started it gave us a great opportunity uh, to start uh, doing a lot of live sessions we call them like tea camps uh, yeah so the tea camps consisted in starting from scratch from not knowing anything about tea uh, nine days from explaining what white tea, green tea, and what Camellia sinensis is in general, and teaching people how to brew tea properly with agaiwan and like the, the whole set. And this actually built a lot of interest in people to drink real tea. Uh, so yeah, after the quarantine, we, because right now we've given uh, nine tea camps, uh, each tea camp basically between 30 and 35 people, which is a completely new market. Yeah. Um, and this new group of people is really, really interested in origin or single origin. Single origin, yeah. Yes, single origin piece, which I'm really happy about. Because single origin, it's funny of like, there's, you know, we, 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 uh, we deal in buzzwords and, and trending concepts all the time. And usually they're stupid, but single origin is one that is really good. It's like, it, it's a good buzz phrase. To yeah, put yeah around I tea, really like you know? it. Yeah. So if people are yeah. walking around saying, I like, to, you know, I'm looking for single origin tea, like, great. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Do that. Yeah, yeah we have it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but before the quarantine, like no matter how much uh, single origin tea we imported, it didn't get sold because uh, people didn't understand it. But now that we have these uh, customer bases, uh, now people are getting more interested. And on top of that, because we are all locked in, um, I started- More time to drink tea, yeah. Yeah, more time to drink tea, and also more time to connect with other tea people. Right. So um, I developed a better relationship with Shunan, and also we started importing some of her uh, teas. And now we have the tea club, which offers uh, one of her teas that she selects and she gives one class. I translate and then the other class I give it. So now uh, we teach two classes per month and this tea club is starting to grow. That's awesome. Uh, and also because you need to build more education around tea. Uh, we also created a tea group with the people that I sent you, this guy from Colombia, from Argentina, yeah. that are very, very serious and very excited about tea as well. Uh, so now we have uh, every Sunday we get together and we talk about tea uh, for cool. two hours and a half. And then people just come in and see the debate like last Sunday we had a debate about the six uh, categories of tea. Okay. And the requirement to join this group, okay, is to speak some, at least intermediate Mandarin. The six being combining black and red, is that the idea? No, 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 no. So one, uh, yellow, yellow. I always have troubles with my Y's and J's in English. Amarillo, they don't make sense. whatever. 
Amarillo, yeah. So yellow, green, uh, oolong, uh, red tea, black tea, black tea being dark tea, heicha, mm -hmm. uh, white, 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 green, yellow. Yes, six, six categories. Okay, so I guess, so I separate, I, I, I you know, puer, fermented tea, and dark tea into two categories, but you don't have to. Yeah, it because- It be just a spectrum of the same category. Puer is not really a category, right? right. Puer- yeah. It's a process yeah, because, within the category. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because dark tea, like you also have dark teas from Japan, for example, like the Batabasacha. Mm -hmm. And you also have like dark teas from Hunan province. Uh, so yeah, dark tea or black tea is just another category. So yeah, we gathered and talked about- Yeah, so what was the debate? Okay. Uh, well, exactly that. Because in Puer, is not very well defined what a raw puar is. And according to some people, um, puar, raw puar, like steng puar, is more a category of green tea. Uh, but some of the people in the group don't agree. And they say that uh, steng puar, it's a dark tea. Mm. Um, and I feel that it can be a green tea at the beginning. And then when, as it ages, it becomes dark. But at the beginning, I feel that it's more um, similar to a green tea because it's not yet oxidized. Um, and then, yeah, sure, with time, it will become a dark tea. Uh, but it was a very intense debate because uh, some of the groups <laughs> say that, no, since it's uh, created or since it's made, it's a dark tea. Wow. Okay. I got to join the next one. Yeah, I think I, I wanted to join this one, but I think I was on the middle. I was, in the, I was recording and, and I had like, I think it was when Patrice was on that I'll probably air tomorrow, but uh, it was, we just like kept talking for, we were on for almost three hours and then I had to Oh stop. wow, three hours. Yeah. It was like, we were just talking music stuff and yeah, it was cool. But so, so where did your, so you first got exposed when you were operating the business and you had the opportunity to go to Asia. So what, you know, how, was that journey what what were your first enlightening moments where were where did you go to learn more like did you read did you talk to people did you physically go to the sites what was it like well uh first when i when i first started with the fruit designs and everything i decided that i needed to learn more about tea so i i looked it up and i was like oh sure the specialty tea institute right in the us so i will just take all the classes and i like to finish the tasks that i uh things that are relevant. So I took like the whole uh, tea specialist certification, whatever class in a year. W so with, I completed it. With who? With, with what school with, or whatever? Uh, tea specialist institute. Okay, cool. So whatever. I don't recommend it because it's super expensive. And <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. No, I would not <laughs> recommend it uh, because you will spend around $12,000 That's and with that money you can just go to China and right. Taiwan and be more exposed to yeah. tea yes so after that I didn't really uh, find out that it wasn't doing anything for me until I had the opportunity to go to China um, and I traveled with my team from Soite uh, I was like well we need to go and then we just went with, without speaking any Mandarin, without having a guide or anything. We just traveled uh, around the different tea regions. And that's when I decided that I needed to learn Mandarin. 
Oh, because wow. with no Mandarin, basically, you cannot do anything, right? In China. Like, nobody speaks it's English, It's very hard. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been, and it's, it's different than anywhere else in the world. Even Japan, uh, yeah. you know, you find someone always. Like, it's rare that you can't find someone who speaks English. But in China, not even, even at in the, the airport. airport. Yeah, I was, that's yeah. what I was saying. Even at the airport, you, there's nobody. Not one. Yeah, and at the hotels, everything, like nobody speaks English, which is so strange. Yeah, like there might be a per, if you're, if you're staying at a big hotel, there's someone there. But it's not like yeah, every person. But in a big, in a big hotel in Beijing or something. Sure. But in a, well, to start with, uh, big hotels in the rural part of China don't, don't even exist. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a very interesting experience. And then because we missed so much information because of our lack of Mandarin, then I came back uh, and I was like, I need to learn Mandarin. So I started learning Mandarin and then finally reading some books in Mandarin that I bought during the trip. And I was like, oh, wow, this is much, so much more enlightening than um, hmm. my tea specialist, whatever certificate yeah. that I took. And taking four people to China for 10 days was much, much cheaper than my whole certification wow. <laughs> that I did, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't do anything for you. But anyway, yeah. that's a, I didn't know that before. Yeah, yeah so, you learn, you know. Yeah, you learn as you go. Uh, but now I would not recommend it for people. I would sure. just recommend them to go to Taiwan or to go to Japan or China uh, especially these three countries that, in my opinion, make uh, some of the best tea. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Because I've had some Indian and Sri Lankan, sure. I make my kombucha with Sri Lankan tea, which is fine for kombucha. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, it's true. All my favorite stuff comes from one of those three places. There, there's cool things here and there, but everything I have with me right now is, I think, from Japan, China, or Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really know uh, much about the rest. Yeah. So uh, what I expect now, because of course we do a lot of white labeling uh, and we will continue doing that white labeling and even mm -hmm. tea bags uh, is for us to be um, gateway, as I said before, but a more clear gateway for people to discover tea in all of its, uh, or true tea in that way. Because, um, if you just come with us and you have never tried tea, then it will be our job to make you become interested in tea, to give you enough resources. Great way to uh, think about it, yeah. To make you be interested in tea. And then if we fail at that, we are not doing a very good job. Um, but I think we will just continue offering both, continue uh, more commercial teas and even products like taro root, which is one of our main selling products, actually, mm. because you can just combine it with the uh, fruit juices or fruit descents. Mm. And as a smoothie, they taste good, but you just have to think it as a completely different thing. But then we've had customers that have evolved and that transition uh, to see people coming, uh, not having heard about Camellia sinensis at all. And in three months, a transition from a purple taro drink to uh, buy mudan 
from a single origin, like from Chenghe, and then telling me like, oh, you've, uh, you've raised my bar so high yeah. that I cannot really drink the teas that I bought from you guys before. Because That's now what happens, I only, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah it's a, I'm it's really a wonderful happy to thing be, when that happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy to be influencing people's taste buds uh, so they can understand and appreciate tea in a better way because also what i found is that now uh three of my customers that are really into tea are also learning mandarin cool. uh yeah so that's also a very interesting thing that happens that the more you get in, get involved with the culture it's not like you just culturally appropriate the culture right you actually learn and take the time to understand the culture and to uh, merge with the culture not just take it i think it's necessary yeah yeah. Have you felt that, you know, central South American tea culture, have you felt it more influenced by the East or by the United States or, you know, other than the indigenous, like in Argentina, they have mate, for example, like the way that tea has come across. Cause in the United States, it came from England. You know, that's how most yeah. people think of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the same case down here? Well, yes and no. Uh, because the U.S. is just so big that basically the largest importers of tea in the U.S. are in Long Beach, all of them. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, all of them. Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Q-Trade, First Tea, um, what is the international tea importers? And they basically uh, provide the tea for all the major tea companies in the U.S., but so, garbage tea companies, yeah. Uh, well, like flavor teas, right? Yeah. Um, and like that tea bags also, and stuff. Mm, oh, no? Well, not necessarily tea bags, which is also one of the big problems that uh, many people start saying that specialized tea uh, is flavor tea, which is not necessarily in a bag, but mm -hmm. it's still very flavored, which as I said before, it's fine if you are drinking uh, flavor tea, just knowing that you're drinking flavor tea, not necessarily like the best tea. Like that jasmine is, is an example. Uh, well, it depends right, on what no. kind of jasmine. Okay. But yeah, because you can have really uh, high grade jasmine, but it's very, very hard to get um, because you've, not, you've seen how jasmine, like real tea, real jasmine tea is made, right? Or no? Not real. I, I hate jasmine tea, so I've never put much time into understanding the spectrum of it. So I've ne I've never had what I would consider, you know, good jasmine tea because I just I've never bothered. But, but tell me about it. Uh, well, good jasmine tea, good jasmine tea is not supposed to have flowers at all. Okay. Uh, because uh, they, what they do is that they combine the tea leaves this is only like very high grade tea leaves uh with jasmine flowers and then uh they separate them like they move it they put it in a in construction you see how cement passes through a net like a sifter yeah yeah a sifter right right like yeah so they use the sifter uh for the uh flowers to go down and the tea leaves to stay on the top and then they separate them manually and they do this process for about seven times at least. Um, so really good jasmine tea is really expensive and it's really hard to get because most of that really good jasmine tea stays in China. Mm -hmm. So the really bad uh, jasmine teas that we get in the West 
are the gimmicky jasmine teas, like the yeah. jasmine pearls and things like that. Uh, so no, I'm not only talking about those teas. I'm also talking about like the ginger toffee black tea or things like that, that don't, don't necessarily come in a tea bag, but are also highly flavored. And you cannot really taste the uh, flavor of the tea. You can only taste the flavor of the flavoring. Uh, and that we owe to Germany. Okay. Yes, because Germany is the country that has the most flavored teas in the world um, because they have a lot of flavored companies. Uh, oh. Also because the same I didn't realize flavoring... Germany's involvement, yeah. Yeah, Germany, evil Germany. Uh, Germany, the same uh, flavorings that are used for candy are put oh. into tea. Ew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so most of the influence and there's one company from Germany that is like the mother company right uh, and that company has influenced uh, people in South America and Mexico okay. to have really 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 flavored teas hmm. mm -hmm. so it comes back to Germany I didn't realize I've always blamed England well, England, I blamed yes. England for other things, yeah. Yeah, England, yes, for black tea in general. Uh -huh. But for the uh, trend of flavor teas is more Germany. Because England, if you, look, if you look at England only, they basically focus more on uh, not very good black teas, uh, but, but Indian and Sri Lankan teas, right? like Assam's or right. English breakfast yeah. or things like that, but are not really flavored, are mostly like just black teas. And they have their Earl Grey, um, but basically that's it. Yeah. And everything else, all the other flavoring things come from either France, some, because all, all of their perfume industry, and Germany, but mostly okay. Germany. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always, I just like the, I just like tea leaves, just good yeah. tea leaves. That's it. Yeah. But it's hard to, it's hard to know that you like them um, because there are not many good tea leaves available that are just tea leaves. So who's doing a good job spreading, you know, quality, like, like everything that you described as like, our job is to spread this culture and this education and get people interested in, in the, the high quality stuff. Who, who else in the world is doing that? Uh, of course, Shunan. Uh, and then Don, I think is doing a really good job. Um, also the people from tech company. For oh, the good. Tech Elena company. and Fred. Yeah. Elena, uh -huh. I really like them. Uh, I mean, the Japanese world, uh, I really like Kettle, how they handle all their Zach, yeah. advertising, yes. And in uh, South America and Central America, well, not Central America, South America, well, in Mexico, of course, I would count us, uh, <laughs> but just uh, getting in into that uh, trend and learning a lot and still have a lot to learn. Um, but there's, there are these uh, pockets, like in Colombia, there's this guy who I sent you the link to. Yeah. His company name is Sinelia. And they're actually based in Guangzhou in China, but wow. he's from Colombia and they are, they're also trying to sell into uh, South America, but also through a lot of education. And then there's this Ryan 
a guy in Argentina and his company is Peichen Tea Palace and they've been studying tea for 10 years. Uh, his partner is Taiwanese and they are also really involved. Then in Uruguay, there's this girl called um, Viku and her company is Osmantus and also she's doing a really good job. And then in Chile, there are two people that one, uh, they have a tea farm in Lishan. So if you ever go to Taiwan, you should totally contact them so you can okay. visit their farm cool. in Pear Mountain, right? Pear Mountain. Pear, yeah. Uh, and they have really, really great Taiwanese oolongs and Tirans that also has a really great selection. But uh, the thing that we all have in common is that we believe that um, at least in South America and Mexico, uh, we need to offer a lot of education for people to understand tea better and to have it more accessible. Because with no education, it is impossible to appreciate tea. Right. I think that's a huge, that's a huge obstacle that the tea world encounters where not everyone agrees actually on what you just said, that a lot of people want to withhold the information. They see it as almost this sort of generational, you know, passing down of the information. And it works really well, that system, if there's interest. But if you're doing such a good job withholding the information that nobody has it to the point that there are no customers left, then you're actually, you're killing your whole industry. So I think there's a lot of that where uh, generationally the secrets of how to make the tea are held by a person, you know, by one person who manages it or maybe a few people, family who manages the farm or these, you know, this, this mountain or whatever. And then that's it. And they don't pass it down to anybody. And they, they, maybe they would, but their kids don't care. They're, they're not interested. They want to do other things. They don't want to yeah. live in this rural area of China and, you know, carry on the, the 10 generations of tradition. They, they want to do something else. And there was, you know, what, what, what happened there is that when you live in a world, you know, once the internet occurs and people can look at, can be in rural China, but look at, you know, Los Angeles, like fewer people are going to want to stay in rural China just in, in general. So withholding all of these practices became really damaging to right. the tea industry at large because there was already the BST, already the tea bags and the proliferation of, of junk that was already happening. But, and that industry was not contingent upon any of these, you know, industry trade secrets or, you know, high quality growth techniques or knowing where the secret trees are or anything like that. That, that didn't matter. You could get that tea from anything. People don't care about the quality. So that tea was going to operate really well. Uh, what happened actually more than anything was that matcha got added to that mix of the you know, uh, low matcha, grade. Yeah. So matcha got added to the Earl Grey world of things where you could just like call anything Earl Grey and put it out and it's going to be popular. Uh, you know, matcha all of a sudden became this thing like, like the matcha that's sold is such trash. It's, you know, they, they, they have these new classifications of like kitchen grade and ceremonial grade and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's so absurd, but you know, the stuff that you get at Chacha Matcha and, and Matcha Bar and whatever, like, these are all my friends. These are all white people that they're entrepreneurs and they're all like, 
I mean, this is arguable, but love like the well-meaningness of it, but like they're just entrepreneurs and they look at an opportunity. I have a friend who started, um, what's his company called? He was early, like before all those companies, I forget what it is, but he left like a huge social media marketing agency and branding agency to start a matcha company with his wife. And he's like a, he's like a heavy duty marketer. And I was so surprised. I was like, Oh, you're leaving this like, you know, job you probably make like 250 K a year. And you're, you know, you're, leaving this job to go start a matcha brand. And, and, and like, I was surprised because I was like, what do you even care about matcha? You know, what do you know about this? Uh, and and yeah, it's a marketing opportunity. And that happened and that is mainstream. But at the same time, all the quality stuff, no one even heard about it. No one talks about it. It's not out there because there's a lot of people who have the knowledge, but don't don't talk about it. Don't, don't share it. Know. Yeah. And in the case of tea, like most of the information is in Chinese. So right. unless you speak Chinese, then good luck, right? So yeah. uh, what we're trying to do with the new group that we created during the quarantine uh, is that we are trying to translate some of the... Yeah, you have document- to make a small press. <laughs> like a printing, you have to make like a publishing arm. Well, right now we, we are using Medium, right? But we are basically oh, cool. trying to translate books like this. Okay. Uh, that are like very old and are only in Mandarin and they're not oh. even in uh, Google Books, only like very. There's just a like physical paper. copy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, oh. But also you have to hurry up, right? Because like these books are not going to last forever. You have to, you have to get them, yeah. yeah you have, you, you, to, you have them. to save them. Yeah, and also, also you need to translate them because you cannot even find them in English. So you have to you save them, you have leave. to translate them and then you have, to, you have to digitize them and then you have to get them out there. Yeah, that's a. So, I mean, that that's a that's a project. Like, yeah. you know, uh, the, do you know the magazine Eighty? No. It's a it's a tea magazine. It's actually really good. You should check it out. Some of the people that you know have 80. been in it. Yeah, like like eighty degrees, uh, uh, like 80. eighty degrees Celsius. Um, it's and it's very not good. like. Uh, what is that called name? Tea. Well, it's not that one. Eighty. Okay, yeah, 80 is very good. I, yeah, I could send it to you if you can't find it. Um, but I think that's a really good thought of like creating, you know, a sort of collective tea journalism and, uh, you know, just getting the the literature out there. Like I put on my show, I'll read, you know, Book of Tea, um, Kakuzo Okakura, um, Tony Gebley wrote his book. Like, like there's, there's some, there's some stuff out there, but it's very fragmented and, and maybe there's something to be said about unifying all of that into one where like your $12,000 course that you took, honestly, like that's not (laughs) gaining, that's not helping anybody because no, 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 that's not helping anybody. Yeah. Like I'd rather that just be out there and in the world for anyone who wants to read anyone who wants to do the work, like, let's just give it to them. You know, mm-hmm. just like if you're going to put the time in, if you're going to put an hour a day into learning about tea, do like, please, you know, because that money will come back by having another person out there in the world who wants to activate those skills, that learning. And yeah. I'd rather that be the way that the tea education occurs than because we're just not in a good spot. Like, you can't charge people 12K. I don't know how many people were in your course. Like, I can't imagine it was more than like five, 10. I don't know. Like how many people are out there spending $12,000 to learn about tea? 
well, just can't be that many. Yeah. There's the Obubu, uh, you know, apprenticeship that people can go live in Uji and do that. That's pretty cool. But I think for the novices, yeah, like if you do- if you really want, like you can also take like the tea master uh, class that is like real tea master class in China that is like mm-hmm. eight years long because it's a career, right? So you cannot right. become a tea master in two days or whatever because many people say that they're tea masters uh, and they basically take and uh, two classes of this tea specialty whatever uh, institute and then right. it's like oh yeah we are the tea masters but yeah maybe if you commit eight years of your life and then you actually live in the tea plantations you can be a tea master and they will never call themselves tea masters that's a thing. oh yeah that, that's like what i was saying about the ceremonies like this gap that this difference in information of like yeah people who call themselves tea masters like it's such junk most of the time and people who say that they give tea ceremonies like i was looking on instagram the other day and some you know someone had i have like the hashtag i have like a bunch of tea hashtags that i follow Mm -hmm. and then someone was was uh explaining you know in great detail the tea ceremony as if like they know what they're talking about and it was such trash and and it was very articulate you know it's like a white person doing really good the the imagery was beautiful the words were it was well written and everything but it's not true it's just not like you can't just like like they did this person whoever's writing this did not learn how to offer a tea ceremony and they're saying all the right things they're saying all the things that like it has now been packaged for the u.s american to go pay you know sixty dollars or whatever for admission into a tea ceremony that's just not what it that's not what it is. And it's totally, I'm totally down for this version of it, this iteration of it. Do it. Yes. Charge $60 and allow someone to go experience, you know, but just the, 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 you know, this word authenticity, you know, like stop pretending that this is the authentic experience. This is not it because then it makes people think then they stop. The education stops and the interaction stops. I think I just did it. Oh, I went to this place in, you know, uh, Pasadena, you know, and like this place in Pasadena, this is it. I did it. I've experienced it now. (laughs) I can tell all my friends I wore a kimono. Oh my God. I drank with my hands, my palms, like, you know, open and I bowed. One more check thing to do for for your bucket list. Right. But that's not it. Like store your sterns is is what I'm referring to. And store your sterns is a beautiful place. Like, and yeah, you can go there as a white person and go get a quote tea ceremony. You could quote be the honored guest, but like, you know, that's not it. And it's 10, it's a decade. Like, and, and, and maybe you get offered it. And like, there's like a few given a year period not like in your city like period worldwide there's a few like mm-hmm. three i don't know two or three probably five i don't know it's in that range yeah. of and, and in each of them there's one to four people max maybe so like if you're walking around saying you do tea ceremonies like you're full of shit like i i've taken i was talking to um i was talking on 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 my last episode about this, like I've put in with Elise Peterson from Tea Lit and uh-huh. like she's spent time in Uji and uh, I was like, yeah, I've probably taken like 15, 20 lessons or whatever in like the Japanese tea ceremony, like in my life, something like that, which is so many more than anyone else I know, you know, other than like actual tea people, like mm-hmm. who do this for a living. Like, but like the fact that I as just a regular consumer have spent like that amount of time 
studying the Japanese tea ceremony in person at like proper, you know, Japanese variation of different setups. Like, I don't know anyone who has done, who has put that amount of time in, but I know so many people. Me neither. Yeah, who tell me that they do tea ceremonies and blah blah blah, and I know people who They're offer like, oh, them. Really? It's like, tell oh, me really? about oh, it. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like I know front to back, like all the books. Like I've put in so much. I've I've gone to the oldest tea houses in the world. Like you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. But what the damage that that does, in my opinion, is it stops the education when someone gets to walk mm-hmm. around and pretend that they've done it all. I've so so I, I say yeah. that to say like I have done so little and I have done so much more than anyone else I can really yeah. reference. Like I've gone to China, I've gone to Japan, I when all this is over, hopefully I'll be in Taiwan for a while. Um, have a lot of friends there. But I put the time in, but I put in such little time, like one percent of what I need to put in to be able to talk about it. Like I yeah, ask exactly. you questions because I don't know there's so much to learn. And I learn so much, so much but to like, learn. I know so little. And yeah, I don't think I can learn enough in my lifetime, actually. No because that's why so I much, only drink tea. So that's why I don't learn. do herbal because I just want to get really good at tea. And I don't consider that I will ever get really good at tea. So I have so much, you know, I have so little time and so much to learn that yeah. I just want to dedicate it to this one thing. And I want to be mm-hmm. as I want to be as skilled as possible at this one thing. Not, not as skilled for the sake of skill, but I believe uh, I draw this valley and I, I, I think yeah. of the concept as an uncanny valley where, you know, you start and you could drink Earl Grey and chamomile and whatever, and you can, you know, la-di-da and like you have a simple understanding of it and you can enjoy the simple stuff. And then you start to learn more and you just know enough to criticize and to not yeah. like your experience anymore. And then you come out the other end where you really learn how to do it right. And that's the transcendence. That's the beauty. And that is what I, what I crave. So when I learned about Gyokoro, for example, like I was up here at first drinking it at 212 and burning it. Then I learned, oh, you do it cooler and you do less water. Then I realized you do it much cooler, much less water, you know? And now when I drink Gyokoro, it's like a whole nother, I do, I do my own Gyokoro every day. A whole other level. Yeah, especially God, because it's... like some of the notes that are supposed to uh, come Unlock. out, uh, yeah, like you're not gonna be able to enjoy them until you actually learn how to make property. I think yeah. it's so important to keep your own personal perspective of where you are in that valley, yeah, yeah, and definitely. that you're always down here. Actually, like you're all you're you're always down. You want to be down there because that means that you get to keep going up. And when you when you when you go up. And you taste that concentrated Gilcoro, it's like, oh my God, it, it's like watching a film. It's like, it's like when you watch Usual Suspects and you find out who Kaiser Sose was. Like, it's like doing that all the time. Like the ending of the, of the great movie. You never get to experience it again until someone makes another great movie and yeah, you get to experience yeah, yeah. it again. And it's, and it's wow. And, that, and the tea world has that for you regularly so this white tea that you're explaining to me like when i have that and i do it right that's going to be like an aha moment for me and yeah. knowing it if you stay in Korea long enough you can let me know and I, we will send you some thank you so much yeah i will i'm, I'm going to be deciding oh, in the next few days so yeah because you said that you really hate jasmine tea i will send you some of the <laughs> uh, I, I would love high to try grade jasmine tea just so okay, you can cool. compare it yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It's possible also, that I just haven't done it right. Yeah. You can cold brew it too. 
this is my second uh, cold brew liter that, that I like made out idea, of the yeah. jasmine tea. And it's, yeah, it blew my mind. I was like, this is not jasmine, but it is. Cool. I like, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. I, I, I think that I just haven't gotten good jasmine tea. Like you said, I think mm-hmm. I've, I've done it. I've done it not right. And I have just gimmicky, gimmicky jasmine, because mm-hmm. I always thought that the jasmine pearls were like a little better. And then I mm. was talking to Shunan and she was like, Oh, you're so ignorant. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Good. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. When I find out I'm ignorant like, about something, you know, like, yeah, yeah. When I like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm energized yeah. finding out that yeah. I'm ignorant about jasmine tea because that means I get to try some better jasmine tea. Yeah, but jasmine pearls, yeah, are basically something made out for tourists. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good to learn that too. Totally. Yeah. Well, Great. I have this really cool talk going on in two minutes of a bunch of female cinematographers for Filmmakers Roundtable, and that starts in two minutes. And I'm sorry, I had to, I had to break us in the middle and, and we don't have more time because of my lawn mowing situation, but we need to do a part two in person whenever we get uh, into the new world and yeah, can, into can the share new world. tea. And Sounds good. I'm so happy to have had you on here. I'm so happy we connected through Shunan. And this is what like makes the show, you know, this is why I do it to get all to, to connect with people and to learn more and, you know, you've you've now introduced me to all these like a whole dream team of of south and central american American, people yeah Yeah, i'm so excited to meet all of them and um this is great and and thank you so much for your time and thank you for your tea i'm gonna pour myself another another oolong right now great thank you it was great talking to you sean and we'll be in touch and and enjoy the rest of the day you too bye If you're watching this on video, you'll see my black glasses I'm wearing. They're by Genesee, G-E-N-U-S-E-E dot com, an eyewear company out of Flint, Michigan, founded, owned, and operated by my friend Ali Rose. They employ the structurally unemployable locals and recently incarcerated. They are made from recycled plastic water bottles. They're the first eyewear brand in the U.S. to be completely circular economy. They donate 1% of their net proceeds to Flint Kids Fund, aiding in the long-term health and development of those affected by the Flint water crisis. I really like them. I wear them all the time. They're female-founded. They check a lot of boxes of things that I support, and they offered you guys a discount of, I think, 20%, something like that. So type in tea with SG at www.genesee.com, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, and get yourself a pair.